Hello and welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Media's official podcast for the week of April 17th, 2019. As always, I am Sean Higgins, and before we get to today's show, I just have a couple of housekeeping things I would like to let you know about. With racing largely over for the 2019 winter, there is less and less for us at Ski Racing Media to talk about on Tips and Tales on a weekly basis. Because of this, we'll be transitioning the show to publish every other Wednesday during the off-season, with weekly episodes returning in October as we approach the opening races of the 2020 season in Solden, Austria. The format of the show might be changing a little bit, too. You'll still get the same breakdown and discussion of the most recent ski racing news from us here at Ski Racing Media when the right topic comes up, but our content over the summer will be more interview-based, like today's episode, where I get the chance to sit down with Canadian World Cup racer and friend of the show, Trevor Philp, where he talks about the impressive finish to his World Cup season and his first trip to World Cup finals in Andorra. That being said, I would like to highlight some of the recent pieces published on SkiRacing.com before we dive into the rest of today's show. The seventh and final episode of our web series, The American Downhiller, presented by Pac, was published last week and dives into the history of American downhillers on the World Cup from the days of nothing but wooden fences and hay bales lining race courses all the way to today's World Cup stars. This project has been a labor of love for us at Ski Racing Media over the past three winters, and we couldn't be more proud of the finished product. Ski Racing staff writer and Tips and Tales co-host Mackenzie Moran also recently published a profile on Team Cliff ski racing athlete Isabella Wright. Wright has been coming on strong in recent years in the NORAM circuit, and Mac talked to her about everything from her beginnings chasing her brothers around Snowbird here in Utah as kids to her goals for the coming season. I also published a roundup of the most notable World Cup retirements from this season. With this winter ending a three-year stretch of two world championships and Olympics happening in back-to-back-to-back seasons, over a dozen notable names chose this year to hang up the race skis for good. And I have a feeling that that list will grow even bigger as we get further into the summer. Lastly, our contributor Edie Thies Morgan wrote a fantastic piece highlighting the unique culture and tradition of independent athletes in the United States and how we can use those athletes to make our ski racing community stronger as a whole. You won't want to miss it. To check out all of those stories and much, much more, head on over to SkiRacing.com. Coming up after a quick break will be my interview with Canada's Trevor Philp. The single best way to support what we do at Ski Racing Media is through a subscription to Ski Racing Premium. From podcasts and World Cup race coverage to our wildly popular American Downhiller web series, Ski Racing Premium is the engine behind everything we do at Ski Racing Media. It literally keeps the lights on for us. Subscriptions cost $35 per year for unlimited premium content on SkiRacing.com, which includes full-length World Cup race features and many of the pieces you will hear us talking about on this show. If you are interested in supporting what we do, head on over to SkiRacing.com and click the subscribe button. All right. Now we'll get you back to the show. All right, welcome back to the show. And I am sitting down with a very special guest. You may know him from his World Cup exploits, and he's a friend of the show. Canada's Trevor Philp. Trevor, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you. I know you're, you're from Canada. Primarily our readership and, and viewership is American. For those of our listeners who don't know who you are, what is your background in ski racing and how did you get to the World Cup? Yeah, I'm Canadian, born in Toronto, Ontario, but uh, moved out to Calgary with my family when I was four. So Calgary, Alberta is home. That's where I 
grew up, that's where I live. Um, grew up skiing at Banff Mountain Norquay. That's my home ski club. Kind of went through the whole progression there from kids skiing into the FIS um, program. I was on the FIS program for a couple years there before joining the Alberta team for a year or two, a year kind of and a half. The half year was a little bit with the Canadian development team, a little bit with the Alberta team. Uh, and then I decided to go to school. So I spent four years at University of Denver doing my degree there, racing and double skiing, which was amazing. Um, during that time, I was also with the Canadian team. When I went my freshman year, I wasn't. I was just with school. I decided to school over the Canadian team at that point. Um, but I had a great freshman year, requalified for the team. And uh, yeah, I did my last three years of school with the cooperation of the Canadian team. And then after school uh, finished four years ago, I went back to the Canadian team. I've been racing World Cup since and trying to progress through the ranks. Mm-hmm. And in your decision to choose the NCAA route over a full-time national program. I think you won your first national championship when you were 19, I think. Could be. I don't know. I'd have to check. <laughs> and, uh, instead of choosing to go that route and, and try and break onto the World Cup as a teenager, you did choose the NCAA path. And I think you were really one of the first kind of modern generation of skiers to, to do that. And what kind of was your thought process, you and your family, your thought process when all of that was going down and you were trying to make that decision? Yeah, that was a tough one for sure. That was a big decision at the time. Um, and I didn't, looking back, I feel like I didn't have all the information, but I knew school was a, of importance for me. It was a priority. It wasn't necessary right now, um, but my family definitely pushed for it, but not uh, forced me into it. Um, so I was talking to schools through that year, the year before also, but nothing really came of it. I wanted to do a one year with the um, development team. Um, and that year I had a lot of talks with different people kind of deciding what's the best route and in the end decided I wanted to go to school um, and didn't really tell anyone, tell anyone at the time, but I, my mentality was that I'll take it year by year if I figure out this is not working because I wanted to be a World Cup ski racer. So if it's not working, then I'll go back to the team um, and forget the school thing for now, but ended up working really well. I had an amazing year, my freshman year. Then that's the year I won my first national champion. Uh, championship title with Janik and uh, Trevor White in the podium and Janik texted me the other day a week or two ago and he's like it's the seven-year anniversary of your first national championship uh, title when I beat them in the slalom and that was I mean it was super special for me at the time because I was I guess I was 19 and I would just beat these World Cup racers um, as a college kid so that was yeah that was a little bit the transition and then after that great year I did have uh, the ability to go back with the team and the team was cooperating that I, I they would allow me to do both because um, when I decided it was not like you said it wasn't really allowed or thought of that you could do both when I said I'm gonna go to school there were some that thought I was quitting at the time like why are you taking this out um, other coaches were hoping that I would keep my I mean training up and fitness up that I would still want to do the World Cup um, but yeah then it became a more independent more up to me that kind of the fates in my hands how much I want to put into it at that point and uh, I'm thankful it worked out. And your teammates on the Canadian tech team, you, Eric Reed, was also your teammate at Denver, and uh, Phil Brown have kind of been the, the three most, uh, I guess, regular entrants for the Canadians in, in the World Cup tech events. What has that dynamic been like? You guys are all relatively the same age. You've come up since you guys were little kids together. What's it like going through the whole career process with the same two guys? Yeah, it's been fun. We've definitely had our ups and downs over the years and results and some having ups when others have downs and um, but we've yo-yoed back and forth that way 
we've definitely built off each other. Um, I've skied with Eric kind of my whole life since, cause he grew up at the same club in Mount Norquay. So we've skied together, yeah, for a long time, for 20 years now. Um, he's a one year older, so we were, during kid skiing, we were off and on one year together, one year apart. Um, and then Phil was from Ontario. So I didn't really get to know him well until that first year on the uh, development team at 18 years old or so. But then say for the last nine years, we've been quite together, minus my one year at my freshman year at school where I was not on the national team. But yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. We've been definitely built off each other. We, of course, we're all four event skiers when we were younger and came on the team. We both, we've all kind of gone towards Slalom and GS um, and Phil more Slalom this year and Eric still, Eric and I still doing both. But it's been a good relationship. It's been definitely healthy. We've built off each other when, if I mean, I remember, I remember how many years ago, five or six, when Phil started having a couple good results in GS. We all get excited that because we train together, we know that we can compete in training. That uh, okay, then it's time for Eric and I too. Um, and it didn't always work the way we wanted it to. It was a little bit of break, and then Eric obviously had a great year, two or three years ago. Um, so yeah, our breaks came at different points, but the training together over the years has been definitely beneficial. And I know that there's a lot of talk in, in, in the United States about in the tech events in particular about who we have coming up and who's going to fill those gaps when the older guys do retire. I know you were kind of you, Phil and Eric were seen as the next generation when Janik and that generation of, of Canadian skiers retired. Who is coming up behind you right now with the Canadians? Yeah, there, there's a group of them for sure. I mean, the one guy who joined our team this year, Simon Fournier, he actually decided to go to school also. He went to the University of Denver starting in January this year. But he had a breakout season, I'd say. I think he was kind of underperforming, I would say, in races up until this year a little bit. He's been a great skier for a while. Um, but then started this year on the Norams, just podium, like win, win, podium, podium in Salman and in GS. And Salman has been his uh, main event. So that was great to see. Uh, he's definitely one to watch very soon. Um, he also did one, his first World Cup. No, maybe it was second because I think Levy was first. Uh, was in Madonna and he won the top split or was second in the top split and then ended up going out. But anyways, it was, was a great effort out of the gate and was, was cool to see. The other guys his age, um, around that kind of 97 uh, age group is Jeff Reed, Jack Crawford, Sam Mulligan, um, Brody and Riley Seeger, um, Cam Alexander. For sure, I'm forgetting someone, but <laughs> but that group has shown some promise, and they've done well in different uh, European races as well, Norams. So definitely excited to see how they progress, and hopefully, and hopefully soon. And and speaking of some of your results in particular, there were a couple of performances towards the end of the year that stood out to us, and we actually ended up talking about you on the show, and we were joking around, Mackenzie and I, that we were maybe your good luck charm for those last few races of the year. Um, when did that momentum start? Was it that combined run in Bansko, or did something happen before that that really kind of kicked your season into the next gear? I was, I, first of all, I appreciate the shout-outs before. <laughs> I hadn't heard them at the time, so, but, but, so they were a uh, you know, background uh, good luck charm, but I was happy to hear them <laughs> when I did. Um, I would say one um, point that stands out in the season for me was World Champs. I didn't have a, the GS there. I didn't have a great first run. It was actually solid with two large mistakes, two mistakes that cost me a significant amount. Um, and then I, I don't know what I finished that first run with 24 or 27. Um, so I had a fairly fresh course second run. And and I knew I had world champs, obviously points is only top 15. So that, that was the goal there. I wanted to get some points. 
Um, so I pushed hard second run and I think I was second place on the run and maybe only Schwartz beat me. Um, so that was huge for me actually. That was at the time, I uh, was super happy to have a second place on a run, beat all these guys, um, stay in leader box for a few, but at least get a little bit of time, a little bit of energy from that. Um, and I would say that kind of kickstarted me a bit. And then um, Bansko definitely helped also with the, the combined. That was a super fun day for me. I think the next week in, in Kranzgogora, you had another amazing giant slalom race. You qualified for World Cup finals by one place and one point, I believe. Yeah. I think you you squeezed Ryan Cochran Siegel out. But uh, what was that experience like? I know finals is always a big goal for racers trying to break through onto the World Cup. And what was that day like for you? It was a, that was a special day for sure. That was that's one I'll remember for a while. Um, was the first time uh, to start the day of like a start of World Cup. I was ranked in the top thirty. I think I started with Bib maybe 26 with a few injuries, but I, you know, I was in there. I felt like I was in the top 30 at that point, um, and I knew I needed. In my head, I was saying about a top 10, somewhere in the top 10. I'd need to get to finals because that was definitely the goal. Um, and with that, I know I needed to push first run, which has sometimes been my issue. That okay, have a decent first run and push second. But no, this this day I knew I needed two good runs. Um, so I had a good front, decent run, first run was maybe 17-ish. Um, I don't remember, and then. Um, yeah, then second round pushed even harder. Knew it was conditions that I liked or conditions that I could um, excel in. Knew the slope well. I had my, my girlfriend, Slovenian, so her whole family was in the crowd. My mom was there. Um, and yeah, I was happy to throw down second round and, and make a big move. Was sorry for Ryan, unfortunate for Ryan. Uh, but I was happy that he was in finals for for Super G for sure but I was yeah I was thrilled I was really really happy to make finals that day and the conditions that day they were probably the most spring-like conditions of all the whole season I thought and one of the, the points that was made by the two Norwegians Christofferson and Windingstad who were both on the podium they said those conditions really played to their advantage because they spent their entire childhood skiing on spring salted snow and I think that resonated with me because I'm thinking back to when I was growing up, like all the skiing I did in the summertime was at Mount Hood on, on the glacier up there when it's all yeah. salt. I know Canadians ski at Whistler a lot on the salted snow up there. Did you feel that that played to your advantage? You know, it's funny. I never really liked spring snow growing up until the last couple of years. I've, I've somehow find my groove in it, but it was, by, by background, I wasn't a fan of it. Um, as of lately, I definitely feel comfortable. Uh, laying clean arcs in that. So that yeah, worked out that day and it was a cool race also with the with the two Norwegians on there and Notre Dame. That was a, yeah, it was a neat day. And talking a little bit about finals, that was obviously I, I was fortunate enough to be in Andorra and was able to watch the races there. What was that vibe like for you? It was your first time at an event that was so selective. It's, I mean, making World Cup finals is almost more selective than going to the Olympics or, or World Championships just because the fields are so limited. What did it mean to you and how big of a accomplishment was that in your career to make it to World Cup Finals? It, you know, it felt huge. It felt like a huge step for me. It's something we've been, it's been the goal for a few years now. Um, last year, I finally felt like I made, a, made up a little bit of ground. I think I finished the season World Cup Starless maybe 32, but it was finally, okay, you're getting somewhere. Um, and then this, this season with a little more consistency uh, and at least giving myself an opportunity down to their last race and taking advantage of that. But it was, yeah, it felt like a big step in my career to be able to get there. Um, it was a big kind of check mark in the goal category, which is hasn't been being hasn't been checked off too many times in the last few years. So yeah, was really happy with that. Um, such a neat event to have all the men and ladies there in all disciplines, but such a short race. We were 25 in the GS, and 
I ran 22. So it's interesting to think I like, come down into, I think 19 maybe. Um, like, okay, that's okay. What, wait a minute. No, there's only been 22 racers. So that's pretty so-so actually, <laughs> but, uh, no, it was super cool. And I hope to have a few more. Yeah. And speaking of a few more, what, what are your plans for the future? Do you have, are you just kind of staying the course, hoping to build on this momentum or do you have special plans for the summer and the prep period heading into Solden? Yes. I mean, different. I think I changed a little bit last season. I had some health issues with my shins and shin muscles. So I kind of adjusted my training a little bit last year with that. Um, started working with a new trainer. Um, so I'm going to continue with that. Hope to build off that program. Um, yeah. And then also just keep working with the equipment, keep working with the technique, trying to develop that a bit more. So I hope to just build off this year, made some changes for sure this year on the uh, technique and equipment and physical side. So I hope to build off that and hopefully we can keep progressing in the ranks. So in the Canadian tech team, Trevor, you guys had made some coaching changes this past season and you have three Canadians on staff coaching all the Canadian men. So what is it like to be coached by people from your home country, especially in a, in a European dominated sport like skiing? It's, you know, it was good. We had some, yeah, before this, we had some Italians and this year we changed it up. The, the organization brought in some Canadians. Um, our head coach, Dusan Grasic, is Slovenian by background, uh, as the name maybe suggests, but he's been in Canada for 25 years and been part of our system for some, for the whole time. Um, so he's been great. He was a World Cup head coach during the time of Thomas Grandy and Mike Janik and uh, yeah, JP Waugh, Kuzi, all those guys. So he's had a lot of success in the past on the tech circuit. Um, so we are very happy to get him back. Um, and then our two other coaches are Ryan Malmberg and Eli Johnson. Um, Ryan from uh, Ontario and Eli from BC. And they're great to have. It's great to have the Canadian connection um, for the sake of communication, for understanding, for travel. You spend a lot of time throughout the season together, whether it be in vans or hotels and meetings, and just to understand each other better, where you're coming from, your goals. Um, yeah, it made a difference. It was a, it was a good team dynamic this year. Mm-hmm. Do you have you guys talk to any of the Americans at all? I know the American downhillers make a, a big deal of them traveling around together. I'll be an American all winter. Uh, <laughs> what, what's the team nickname for the Canadian tech boys? I, I honestly don't, don't know. We don't have one. We haven't uh, come up with one and no, we don't overlap enough with the America's speed guys to, to know about that. All right, cool. Trevor, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, that is our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you all in two weeks.